Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Milan ended an 11-year wait for the Scudetto last season, closing out a dramatic title-winning campaign with just a two-point margin of victory. So this is the dawn of a new era of Rossoneri dominance, or can the likes of Inter, Juve, or Jose Mourinho's Roma knock Pioli's men off the perch? With a new Serie A season just days away, anything can happen. But to help separate the contenders from the pretenders, I'm joined by Michael LaHood and one of the voices of Paramount Plus's Serie A coverage, Dre Cordero. Calcio is back and Giego Lasso begins right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Giego Lasso. Thank you so much for being part of the family. YouTube.com forward slash Giego Lasso. Giego Lasso pod on Twitter. We're nearly there to 20,000 subscribers on YouTube. Thank you so much. And thank you for the support throughout the summer. I am here to talk about Serie A, which you can exclusively watch on Paramount Plus and CBS Sports as our Serie A coverage begins this weekend. Fantastic stuff. It's your home for every Serie A match. Dre Cordero, how are you, brother? My man, it's so good to, to speak with you again, to see you again, Michael. It's been a long time. Uh, good to reconnect. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a fun summer for me. I've, I've you know I've been covering uh, into Miami. It's my hometown team. I have this like emotional attachment to it. But I'm ready for City out to be back, baby. Three more sleeps and we go again. Of course you're ready, my brother, and we are ready. Of course, Michael Lahoud. How are you, bud? I'm doing great. I I even had to upgrade the shirt because it's Syria Italian fine dining and fine wearing. I I'm with Dre. Cannot wait. This was a league that that had so many surprises, so many storylines last season. Can't wait for another season. Absolutely. I'm wearing my Ronaldo Fenomeno uh, Inter Milan shirt just for this you. occasion. Yep. One of the greatest uh, memories in my life is uh, seeing this man for Inter Milan. It was a revelation. And I'm so happy to have Trey Cordero in the house and Michael LaHood, of course, as we welcome everybody for the Serie A 2022-2023 season. Again, I remind you, on Paramount Plus and CBS Sports, it's going to be so exciting. All right, let's get straight into business, everybody. Basically, you know, uh, before we even discuss any cultural tactics, anything about AC Milan defending, you know, the Scudetto and the contenders for the title once again, you know, let's have a little bit of a reminder, Dre, about some of the business that's been going on this summer. I mean, Paolo Dybala, of course, at Roma, Paul Pogba, you know, a bit the injuries at Juventus, of course, Lukaku returning to Inter Milan. I mean, AC Milan's been doing some business. Who do you think has uh, done a really good job this summer uh, regarding the Serie A uh, situation? 
Yeah, I would add um, Angel Di Maria uh, at Juventus is another mm. one of those big names that I think draws people in and, and can transform that team because they need somebody to be a playmaker. Uh, the team that I think has gotten the strongest over this this transfer window, and this is always tricky, right, before a single ball has been kicked. So we could always, you know, eat our words at, at the midpoint of the season. Uh, <laughs> but today it looks like Roma have substantially and significantly improved. Um, there's a little bit of that. Jose Mourinho's second season magic uh, anticipation in the air. Um, they, they improved last year, but they went from seventh to sixth, right? So from a conference league spot to a Europa League spot. That's not a huge, huge jump. Roma have been outside of the top four for four consecutive seasons now. Uh, not too long ago, under Rudy Garcia, under Luciano Spalletti, they were seen as the number one contender to Juve's crown. I think they're inching closer to that now because they've signed not just quality, but quality, depth, uh, talent, uh, Vinaldum being the latest of those, I think adds to their midfield and doesn't even necessarily, I think he will start, but doesn't have to uh, because they've already got pieces like Pellegrini, uh, like Cristante, like Matic, who also joined in this mm. uh, summer transfer window. Adding Paulo Dybala is obviously the big headline, but I think Zeki Shelik from Lille is a, a right back and right wing back who's going to push Karsdorp, who can compete for a starting spot. I, I see a team that is motivated by winning their first trophy in 14 years last year, uh, the, the Conference League. It may just be you know, the third tier European trophy, but it's a little taste of winning for a club that hasn't had it uh, since the, the middle middle aughts, right? Since 2008, I want to say. Um, so Mourinho's brought back that that belief that Roma can win big things. And now they've got like a proper number 10, a proper star player, if Dybala is healthy and fit, that can make them compete with the likes of Inter and Milan. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think that when you headline a transfer window with the likes of pa- Paulo Dybala, I keep calling him Pablo, and I, I'm going to stop that. I'm just going <laughs> to stop that. Don't make that, that mistake, Michael. Right? Right? I'm going to stop that. that. You guys just make me stop that. But right. Paulo Dybala, and sorry, his cousin Pablo, Paulo Dybala. <laughs> <laughs> but when you have a player like that, when you look at this Roma team, last season it was about getting a trophy. It was the, the Mourinho masterclass of season one. I'm going I'm to make you believe. I'm going to get everyone to buy into my philosophy about winning and winning in the Mourinho way, defense first, having a striker who comes alive. We've seen this movie play out before at Chelsea. And now here's part two. You start getting that midfield. You start getting goals from midfield. And that's what I like that they've done in this summer window. Wijnaldum, when he's on, we've seen it for the Dutch national team. He's a goal-scoring midfielder. Liverpool, he scored crucial goals. Paulo Dybala, he is the X factor. When you're playing the Juves, when you're playing the Milans, when you're playing the Inters, he is that extra bit of magic they can unlock defenses in ways they didn't have last year. And I, I think they got it spot on this transfer window. Yeah, just don't make him take corners, though, right? So I'm, I'm not trying to troll anybody right now, but that was a bit of a mistake. Well, there were some exits as well. Under, uh, Valtut and Paul yeah. Lopez, they all went to Marseille as well. Mkhitaryan, of course, became a, you know the permanent side there uh, to enter Milan, Carles Perez. But yes, uh, Roma looking very good. Dre, if I was to push you again and ask you about a team that perhaps, uh, and you make a good point, you know, we're really talking about it from a, paper standpoint who knows what could happen eventually on the pitch but who was not really doing a good job this summer who weekend who looks pretty weak uh, entering this uh, match day one yeah I'm going to define weak as the team I have the most questions about right because again a lot of players are coming in from leagues that I don't cover um, in some cases it's players who I haven't seen play before so it could be an upgrade and we just don't know about it but Fiorentina are a team that mm. just have a ton of question marks um, yes they lost Vlahovic at the midpoint last season during the January transfer window you know tried a couple of pieces to replace him uh, Piantec who's, who's now gone his loan spell ended um, but I think there's so many new potential starters for that team, right? Starting with the goalkeeper, they've picked up Golini. Um, Dodo is a new left back for them. Uh, they've lost Odriozola. They've lost Piantec, who I mentioned. Lucas Torreira was excellent for them. Uh, Rocco Comiso, the owner of Fiorentina, had reached an agreement 
um, with Arsenal to buy Torreira at the end of the season and then came back and tried to renegotiate, tried you know, to go away from the original agreement, despite Torreira being a productive player for them, somebody who really set the tempo. He's gone. I think that's a big miss for them. I think it's at the Turkish Super League right now, if I'm not mistaken, like Galatasaray, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Ospina, uh, she's not Ospina, uh, the changing goalkeeper with Golini, a uh, new left back in Dodo, Mandragora enters the midfield. Jovic is a player they're gambling on. You know, they've already tried two other options to try and fill the goals that Vlahovic gave them. That's a really tough ask for anybody. And Jovic has had a couple of disappointments outside of the Bundesliga. So I would say the team that is failed to get stronger on paper for the start of the season is Fiorentina. I've got them on the European bubble, like just outside looking to break into that conference league spot. Mm, I'm going to go way south into Southern Italy, Napoli. Holy moly. This team, it's like overnight they became a team that finished third to a team where where are you going to get your goals from? And they have Victor Esselman. This guy is a star in the making, if not already an established star, and he'll only get better. He has all the tools to be successful in Syria. But Victor Osman needs supply. Who's going to get him the ball? Are you just going to punt it from the goal? Oh, yeah, the goalkeeper's not even there. Espina, gone. Insigne, gone. Bernardeschi, or Bernardeschi's Juve. No, yeah, just to recap but, everybody, but Kalidou Koulibaly. Yeah, left Koulibaly, Chelsea. yeah. Lorenzo Insigne went to uh, Toronto, of course, uh, Milik, and, uh, yeah, and, and to your point, David Ospina. So, yeah, absolutely, Napoli is yeah. one. They did bring some people in, though, uh, Michael. Would, would you, you know, Min Jae Kim, the centre-back, uh, the guy whose name, I mean, Drake Cordero, God bless you when you say his name, Kavicha Cavara Chekelia. Yeah, just, just, uh, just Cavara, just Cavara. Yeah, he, he, no, he made it easy for all of us. Well, he told us, well, he told us the proper pronunciation, and then says, "I go by Cavara." It's all right. God, God bless him. Then <laughs> yeah. you have a few drinks when you see him in Italy. Yeah. <laughs> go no, ahead, Mike. No, I, 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 I think. Look, it's good onus that knowing you're going to lose the caliber of players that they lost, that you have replacements, but it's not a one-for-one exchange with some of these players. These are some of the best players in Syria in their positions for their national teams. These are players who won African Cup of Nations and captain yeah, their teams. And, and I don't want to uh, interrupt you again, but Des Norris, I apologize, and Napoli fans, yes, Dries, Mertens, of course, being the number one exit yeah. as well, yeah. Mike. A massive loss. But it's also about sort of... Uh, you know, uh, Napoli uh, leadership, Napoli experience mm. that's leaving the pitch. That's a that's a yeah. major thing, Drake Cordero, don't you think? Because Napoli is a team that's renowned, you know, ever since obviously the Maradona days for, you know, grit and, and leadership and representing the city. Now you're going to kind of start all over again. The the greatest thing that Napoli have going for them right now is that Luciano Spalletti is a tremendous manager, mm. right? And he's yeah. been in these situations before, be it at Roma, be it at Inter. Um, I think he's a guy who usually gets uh, the most out of his team more than some of their parts and throw in whatever other cliche you want on the back end of that. But Spalletti's a proper good manager who I think can sort of galvanize this team. The con is a lot of talent left. And chief among that talent is Kalidou Koulibaly, who is, if not the best goalkeeper, uh, center back in Serie A, certainly one or two over the course of the last four or five seasons, maybe his entire spell um, at Napoli, say for his first season, it was the most bizarre thing from season one to season two of uh, Koulibaly. He went from being a mistake prone center back to being an absolute lockdown defender. And he's like never relinquished that title since. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of question marks. We don't know how good Cavada is uh, when it comes to replacing Dries Mertens, who's the all time top scorer 
um, for Napoli. Yes, he'd become something of a super sub, but he was still banging in goals at the end of last season. Lorenzo Insigne was scoring more from the penalty spot than anywhere else, yeah. but he also was a creator, you know, who broke through lines with his dribbling, with his passes, who could drop deep to, to bring the ball forward. They might even lose Fabian Ruiz, right? There's some interest yeah. from Paris yeah. Saint-Germain, so it might not, the yeah. exodus might not be over for Napoli, and these aren't small pieces. These are key components to what made Napoli, as Mike was saying, a top three team and a contender for so many seasons. Yeah, it's going to be really intriguing to see how they contend with uh, our next uh, topic of point, which is AC Milan. Because really, this is about uh, Rossoneri defending the Scudetto, of course. Uh, Des Norris, I believe you have some odds on screen for this new season, for the 2022-2023 season. Obviously, we knew how good they were last season and how well they did. Now they're in the Champions League as well. So that's an added, of course, piece of homework uh, for Pioli and his men. But let's just think a little bit about some of the players that left already, uh, Mike LaHood. Frank Kessie is gone. Romagnoli yep. is gone. Uh, Jones Peter Haug is gone. Castillejo, Caldara. But they did bring in Origi and Messias, Florenzi, uh, the kid Charles uh, De Quetelare, the attacking midfielder for 32 million euros. I mean, you know, so how do you assess AC Milan entering this, uh, this new uh, season? This is a Milan team that didn't light it up in terms of goal scoring in Syria. So I think what what led them to the title was the fact that you had contributions from midfield and contributions from the back. Look at their goal scoring leaders. Frank Kessie finally getting off the mark in terms of becoming a goal scoring midfielder. For years, it was what is he a defensive midfielder? Is he a box box midfielder? And he he really took responsibility and, and stepping up offensively. Theo Hernandez. He's reborn. He's finally settling in into the player with a ton of potential that came from Real Madrid. And at times he captained the team. And was it Tonali, who playing Sandro Tonali, playing for midfield, scoring crucial goals late. When you replace Frank Kessie, who goes to Barcelona, don't know why. We'll get on that in another pod, but goes to Barcelona and you bring unregistered. In- oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he like might just. A- Listen, I'm going to the opening game in Barcelona this weekend. He might be sitting next to me. I don't know. Like, we'll we'll yeah. find out. <laughs> well, you know, we got we to get LME cam just in case we see him, Lewandowski, and the I rest know, of the crew. I'm with pretty you. scared of him, so I don't really want no, to see him right but, next but to me. What I, what I like that they did in the transfer window is if you're going to lose an established midfielder, a player who is on the rise in Serie A last season and on the world stage, you have to bring goals from midfield. And I think that is what made this AC Milan team just a bit unpredictable. And mm. if you stop Rafael Leal, who had a standout season last season, I mean, he scored 11 goals. Like I said, it wasn't like this Milan team was dependent on one source of goals, but they had different sources from midfield and at the back stepping up in big moments. Yeah, there's a, a it's an interesting thing with Milan because they are, I think, better, or at least on paper, than they were a year ago without adding much in the way of new starters, right? So Frank Kessie was an undisputed starter on that team. He leaves. Uh, Charles de Catelare comes in. Mm-hmm. He's expected to be an unquestioned starter on this team. They trade out a sort of box-to-box or central midfielder for a trequartista number 10, which they really needed. I mean, Brahim Diaz at times was quite good, um, but was a little bit inconsistent. I think the Catalari brings some enthusiasm to that to, to that team, uh, sort of a playmaker and goal scorer, somebody in the middle of the park that can create for the likes of Giroud and Ibrahimovic when he comes back. But I think the most significant thing that Milan did this transfer window, and it's not the sexiest thing, uh, was re-signing Pablo Maldini. Uh, mm-hmm. Pablo Maldini was, did such a tremendous job rebuilding this team, uh, incredible scouting network, bringing players in that they can then, you know, sell for value afterwards, but 
not in the sense that Atalanta does, where you maybe hope to get into the Champions League, to win a title while rebuilding the way that Maldini was able to is just spectacular, to end the more than a decade-long drought to do that. So shoring up Maldini, to me, meant it's a continuation of the process. Hmm. They, they believe in the manager. Pioli last season was one of only two of the top seven in, in Serie A that repeated as manager. There were five changes in the top seven last year. This year, all of the top seven are coming back. Well, they believed in the Pioli project. They've believed in the Maldini project. They've added to that now with a player like De Catalare. They've added, I think, a bit of depth, which was much needed at center forward because it was looking a little bit geriatric with the likes of Ibrahimovic and Olivier Giroud, as good as Giroud was, especially yeah. at home last season. Um, Diva Corrigi adds that little element. Uh, we can see if this is where he finally breaks out as a starter and a volume goal scorer. There's some questions, but if he doesn't, at least that's still some you know depth that you can bring in and somebody who can change the pace of a game and be the super sub that he was, for example, for, for Liverpool. So while I don't think they're starting 11 is transformed necessarily. I do think they're stronger, deeper, and if it's not broke, don't fix it, right? They're, they're defending champions. Yes, Inter are stronger. Yes, Roma are stronger. But Milan, because of how good they were defensively, because of how well coached they were under Pioli, and because it's a continuation of an already solid championship-winning project, have everything they need to, to try and repeat as Serie A champions. When was the last time Milan had an out-and-out attacking midfielder and good things happen? Kaká, maybe? Good things happen with this AC Milan team and organization when they have a, a playmaker. You need to have a playmaker if you're going to compete in Syria and Europe's bigger stage. I'm going to bring a stat to you. Milan, really good away from home last season. And I think that is that is the foundation of something good. To be a champion, to repeat as champions, you, you have to be, yes, home has to be a fortress, but you have to be able to play in some of the toughest places in Syria. And Syria. Unlike a lot of other leagues, there are some really tough places where you can go and get beat any day of the week. 46 points, more points yeah. on the road than they got at home. And yeah. I think that's a fantastic stat for a team to defend their title. Yeah, well said. And I think it goes back to Dre's original point, which it really begins with Pioli as well, you mm -hmm. know, about, you know, just how, you know, you don't need to be this superstar squad to get things going. And Paolo Maldini, such a, I mean, it's not the most important thing in the world. But he is AC Milan. I mean, he's just smooth and historically important and beautiful to look at. And AC Milan kind of need, need to be that as well, right? Well, Dre, think, final point, and AC yeah, Milan, go ahead. On Milan, I don't want to go through a whole like Milan segment without mentioning <laughs> last season City MVP, Rafael Leal, yeah. who right. was just sensational. On a team that didn't have a lot of sort of dependable goal scorers, Leal, especially down the final stretch of the season. Yeah. Ballon d'Or potential kind just, of player. He was, he was electric. He was mm, absolutely yeah. electric. And he was one of those players where you just, whether you're a Milan fan or not, you were excited to watch the Rosso that he played because you knew Leal was going to do something special. He was going to take on two, three guys, slalom into the area. And so I, I just want to see where he takes the next step because he's still a young player. The, the expectations there now, the eyeballs are on him now. He's got the sort of individual and collective accolades. So what's the next step for Rafael Leal? As you mentioned, he's a guy who could have Ballon d'Or uh, potential. Is this the year that he takes that next step? Yeah, it's going to be interesting as well because there's a World Cup as well, uh, you know, uh, going around that in between that for the Portuguese star. But we will see what happens. All right, well, let's talk about the contenders to AC Milan, the rest of last season's top four. Of course, let's begin with Inter Milan. And uh, a certain Romelu Lukaku returns on loan from Chelsea. Didn't work out. At Stamford Bridge, he's coming back. Joaquin Correa, by the way, uh, as well, serving as a sort of second strike as well. Andre Onana, uh, Aslani, and Mkhitaryan, of course, already, you know, confirming that free transfer. Uh, Dre, let's begin with you. Inter Milan, how important for both player and club is that Lukaku's coming back? 
It's huge. I mean, they were uh, really good last year with uh, Jeco uh, and um, and Lautaro Martinez as that tandem. In fact, I think they probably got more in in year one of Edin Jeco than they expected to when mm-hmm. he was coming over from Roma. A uh, really good hold of play um, was a really good balance to to Lautaro's sort of fluidity and just buzzing around all over the park. They had that reference point in Edin Dzeko who can hold the ball up, who can knock it down for wide players. Um, but Lukaku is a game changer. He's not sort of a guy that plugs into the system. He's a guy that wreaks havoc on the opposition system. And we've seen time and time again, Serie A defenders, defenders in, all over the world, really just look exasperated trying to keep up with Romelu Lukaku. You're not supposed to be this big, this strong, this fast, and this technically gifted, right? Like you're supposed to have certain weaknesses to your game. And in Serie A, Lukaku seems to have none when it comes to the attack. He single-handedly tore up Serie A defenses before leaving um, for Chelsea. Yes, it didn't work out in the Premier League, but Serie A seems to suit him. Um, the, the pace of the game seems to suit him here. He, he seems to be operating faster than everybody else. Center backs look like they're running in shallow water when they're chasing Lukaku down the pitch. Um, so I think his return gives them... You know, they were very close last year, right? It was it was one and two uh, between Milan and Inter, and it went down to the final round of the season. Lukaku could very well be the guy that pushes them over the edge and returns the title mm. to the other side of, of San Siro. Um, but it's, it, the question I have, though, is Pedisic was a huge, huge deal yeah. for them. Yeah. And yes, they do have somebody to replace him in Robin Gossens. Gossens was terrific at Atalanta. Uh, he was just coming back from injury last year, so we don't grade him you know, too harshly. He didn't really play that much. Um, did get some appearances down the final stretch. But... Pedisic was like top three in goals, chances yeah. created. You yeah, know, Fabrizio Romano calls him one of the players of the season last year. Yeah. 100%. Top, top, yeah. Yeah. On yeah. both sides of the ball, like when it yeah. came to pressures, when it came to recovery, when it came to buildup. Um, so that is a, a big player to replace. Gosens is is capable and can do it, but the guy who left did do it. And so there are, you know, that that's the one question I have. Arturo Vidal's absence they can deal with. He was a super, he was a, not a super sub, but a substitute last year. Yeah. Same with Matias Vecino. Alexi Sanchez looks to be on his way out. He was actually electric, Alexi Sanchez, last year. Yeah, he's um, a new player he, at Marseille. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Scored, yeah. he scored the uh, the Super Copa winning goal, if I'm not mistaken, uh, to, to beat Milan in like the 120 22nd minute or something like that. Yeah. Um, so there are some sort of depth guys that have that have moved on from Inter. Um, but they're still starting 11 might be the strongest starting 11 in Serie A. Well coached by Inzaghi, who, who um, in year one made them every bit as competitive, maybe even a better attacking team than they were previously uh, before his arrival. Lukaku is a big difference maker. Onana could maybe you know, push Handanovic for that starting spot, create a little bit of competition. I think Handanovic is still a solid goalkeeper who probably, you know, anytime he makes a mistake, you get the, the knives out and people start pointing the finger, but he's been so good for so long that I tend to give him the benefit of the doubt. So Inter, in the conversation, um, Lukaku makes them significantly better, but there are some questions in the wide areas if they can't hold on to Dumfries, if Golsons doesn't turn out to be the, the heir apparent to Pedisic. Yeah, I, when I start with Lukaku, I agree with everything you said, Dre. And when you look at Romelu Lukaku, Romelu Lukaku thrives under a manager who gives him belief. And Inzaghi's played or coached a prolific goal scorer before he got to Milan or Inter in Immobile. So that should bode well for Inter, for Lukaku and Inter Milan, where can Inzaghi still become the striker whisperer? Because they're going to need it. With Edin Dzeko, although he started the season in electric form. And it was Edin Dzeko that was carrying this Inter Milan team, not Martinez. Martinez got going in the second half of the season and could not stop scoring. But prior to that, he, he just he literally could stand at the edge of the Atlantic Ocean and couldn't score. <laughs> and so, and that's just a striker's world. What I saw with Edin Dzeko, yes, although he was getting minutes here and there, I don't think he scored in the last, he scored one goal in his last 13 appearances in Serie A. 
that is the difference between winning a title and not winning a title. Your strikers still have to score. Your attacking players still have to score. And when you get Romelu Lukaku, if you can get those extra goals down the stretch late from him, then you have a team that wins a title. And with Perisic and Dumfries, attacking wingbacks is crucial to how this inter-team plays. And you can't understate that. You see it in Coppa Italia with how they play. They stretch you wide with the wingbacks. They push really high up. But then that allows numbers. Mkhitaryan, he could be a difference maker, adding another creative element out of midfield. Brozovic, love this guy. So composed, gives them just the platform for so many numbers to get for Cherenoglu having another good season. So this inter team really intrigues me. And I, I think they're a worthy contender, the real contender to, to pip Milan to the title. They didn't, yeah, they didn't add the one guy they wanted to add. They wanted to add Bremer. Uh, Bremer went to um, Juventus, to Juventus yeah. instead uh, at the last minute, right? Inter thought they had him locked up. They were almost ready. I'd heard from, from inter sources. They were ready to announce him within like a week's time. And then Juve jump in and they end up snatching him up. We'll talk about Juve in a moment, but he, not getting him meant keeping Milan Skriniar. Because I think had they get had they signed Bremer, Skriniar would be in a PSG shirt right now. And yeah. so Skriniar has been along with um, Koulibaly, one of the two best center backs in City for a long, long time, especially when it comes to 1v1. Like you're not dribbling past Milan Skriniar at any point during the season. And so keeping him, keeping Bastoni, who is arguably mm-hmm. the best young center back uh, in City uh, certainly the best young Italian center back in the world right now, um, could they have maybe added another you know piece that, They've got the likes of um, uh, D'Ambrosio. Um, they've got uh, pieces that they can put in that are really fullbacks that can fill in as center backs. So De Frey is still there as a starter. Maybe could have made that a little bit stronger, but it still brings back that solid three of, you know, uh, Skriniar, uh, De Vrij, Bastoni. Um, Brozovic was going to be out of contract. So, so signing him to, to an extension was going to be huge. And I think just as big, a guy who probably isn't going to be starting is Henrik Mkhitaryan, because, yes, shalnogu has been good. Barella's been good. But there were times last season when Barella looked absolutely spent. Maybe that had something to do with playing the Euros previously. Uh, but every other week, it was, uh, you know, something in the Gazeta or wherever about, you know, Barella need, looks tired and needs to rest. Well, now you have a, a Mikatarian who can give... Uh, uh, the likes of uh, Hakan Chanonoglu a spell on the bench, Barella a spell on the bench, Brozovic a spell on the bench. Yeah, yeah. And let's not forget as well, Inter Bronin, regarding that centre-back situation, Andrea Gavillon, the Guadalupe centre-back from Stade Rams as well. You made a nice segue about Juventus, Drake Cordero. And Juventus fans, I apologise if you're angry, but <laughs> you did not win Serie A last season, so we didn't begin with you for once in your life. Get over it. But we talk about Juventus right now. Let's talk about this business here, Mike LaHood. It's uh, been very interesting, obviously, the exits. Yeah. Matthias De Ligt, of course, to Bayern Munich. Uh, Dybala, we've already mentioned. Demiral as well. Mandragora and uh, Bernadeschi as well. That also went to Toronto as well. But incoming, Chiesa, of course, we already made that, uh, you know, a, a permanent move. Paul Pogba, unfortunately, dealing with an injury now. Uh, Dre mentioned Bremer, the centre-back from Torino. Angel Di Maria as well. Dre mentioned as well one of the, you know, the free transfer from PSG. El Fideo getting there. Andrea Cambiaso as well, the left-back. So how would you assess Juventus? as they enter this very important season, mm. I really believe, because I really want this uh, Scudetto back, uh, possibly more than anybody else. How would you make Juventus this summer and, and how they look into the new Serie A campaign? This is a Juve team that the manager is putting his stamp on the team. I think prior to him coming in, it, w- it was chaotic. They had so many talented players, so many players that were attached to that Euro-winning Italy team. 
And now it's a team that you almost don't even recognize. Uh, the, the biggest signing that they've made is Angel Di Maria. This guy gets older and he just continues to get better. And he's rediscovering his form. I think his play on the Argentinian national team is really sparked life back into his career. Last season thought he was electric for PSG. And good for him for getting out of the French capital and getting into a team where he will be the focal point. They have a young striker in Vlahovic. Will they get Murata back? Who knows? But I actually think it could benefit Vlahovic now that you have a winger who will supply mm. crosses, who will get to the end line, unlike last season where they had wide players who weren't really wide players. Rabio playing wide in that 4-4-2 system. Now you have a winger who will get wide and cross balls in the box. Strikers love service. Strikers like Vlahovic, goal scorers, need service, and they have Di Maria. With all those defenders going out, all those you know, Delicts, Chiellini at LAFC, it puts a lot of pressure on Brenner to hit. They need him to hit. In preseason, he's had a couple shaky moments, as new players sometimes do. But once that first whistle blows in Serie A, he has to hit because there's no other option. Yeah, Bremer was um, Torino's all-time record sale, right? Torino have not traditionally sold like big blockbuster numbers. So the fact that a center back is the historic all-time transfer fee for Torino tells you this is a big jump in quality for Bremer from the expectations of the Stadio Olimpico in Turin to the expectations of Juventus Stadium in Turin, which are, it's a heavy shirt. It's absolutely massive. I don't know something mm. about the black and white stripes. Very, very <laughs> heavy as, uh, as Meg Lehut was alluding to. Um, and so, yeah, Bremer, who has been brilliant because he genuinely was one of the top center backs uh, in Serie A last season. Center back. no, yeah. And yeah. This, when they played Juventus, uh, Bremer put Vlahovic in his pocket and never let him out. Yeah. So yeah. I can understand why they were very eager to bring him along. And nobody's happier to see him on this team. Yeah, if you can't beat them, join them. Train, train against him, but not have to play against him. Right. Uh, the, the problem for, for Juve is that they're going to start the season pretty banged up, right? Paul Pogba is injured, mm -hmm. uh, opting not to have surgery because of the upcoming World Cup. Could that be potentially a, a long-term problem for the old lady? Um, Federico Chiesa is still probably a couple months from, from mm -hmm. making his return, certainly at least several weeks from making a, a debut. Um and Weston McKinney uh, had, I think, a shoulder problem to start the year, right? So you don't want to fall behind when you know that there's all this enthusiasm and all this quality now at Milan, at Inter. Um, Juve can't afford to have another rough start. And last season, to call it rough, was really underselling it because it was an historically bad start to the season under Max Allegri last year. They cannot afford to dig themselves in that deep a hole where they were outside of the top four for a big chunk of the first half of the season. They have reinforced the team well. When Pogba is healthy again, Pogba is iconic to this Juventus team. Pog boom, mm. or, you know, originated <laughs> when he was banging in goals from outside the box uh, for Juve on a midfield with Andrea Pirlo uh, and the much younger Arturo Vidal. So his return, you know, gives him a ton of enthusiasm, a ton of hope and expectation. Di Maria, as Mike says, is just a straight baller and playmaker, a guy who's going to break through lines, who can play wide, who can play through the center. You're right to say that their wing play last season, you know, Bernardeschi at the end of the year was okay. By the way, I was tempted when you said, when you asked me at the top of this, who was the most improved team in Serie A? I was going to disclose saying Toronto FC with Lorenzo Insigne, but I mean, they are it's basically an Italian yeah, team. Yeah, That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, they are. That, that, that aside, you know, Kostic, I think, is, is a player who also creates chances. Especially with Chiesa gone. Uh, early part of the season, Kostic on that left wing, whether they're playing, you know, three at the back and have him as a, uh, a wing back or four at the back and have him as a winger or left back, which Allegri could infuse some improvements in both fullback spots. I think um, Kostic adds something, Pogba adds something. They've got a couple of young midfielders that if they show some faith in them and give them some playing time, whether it's Fagioli, uh, Rovella, 
Miretti, who looked good at the end of last season, uh, could fill in with the injuries of Pogba and McKenny early on. But it's important to, to sort of weather that early storm with those absences and not fall behind. There's also some talk of um, two players who could join. Leandro Paredes from Paris Saint-Germain and mm-hmm. Memphis Depay from Barcelona. Memphis would... would theoretically be a free transfer. Uh, Barca need to make that happen. They need to uh, slash the wage budget. Memphis Depay is an absolute baller. And if you're judging him based on what you saw at Manchester United when he was young, you're probably a little bit misguided because he was tearing up Ligue 1 with Lyon. And last year on a fairly, you know, let's say slightly better than mediocre Barcelona team, he was their top scorer. He was the one guy you can count on to make things happen in attack. If you put Memphis, who can play as a 10 or can play as a winger, buzzing around the box, playing around Vlahovic, taking some of that attention away from their number nine, uh, that could be a really lethal combination. And, and if your front four would be Di Maria, Chiesa, Vlahovic, and Memphis, oh. now you're talking about potentially a Scudetto contending team again. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I don't ever want anybody to discount Memphis's work with the Dutch national team, which is really where you see everything. But absolutely, Dre, that's a really tasty forward line for Juventus. But time will tell if it will happen. Fantastic stuff, everybody. We're going to take a break. When we come back, much more to discuss, including, you know, some other teams of interest, of course. Uh, Jose Mourinho's Roma, we mentioned, but maybe... uh, Lazio has something to say here. The promoted three, by the way, because Berlusconi is back to Serie A. <laughs> uh, uh, and then we'll do our predictions, and that will be it. Our Serie A 2022-2023 preview with Dre Cordero, Michael LaHood, LME. We'll be right back. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement for his man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back to Kego Lasso Serie A exclusively on Paramount Plus and CBS Sports. Paramount Plus is the only place to stream every minute of every Serie A match. And you can quickly and easily sign up for your very own account right now with a free one-month trial by going to ParamountPlus.com forward slash Italy. Just click the Try It Free button and use promo code Italy for instant access to the best Italian club soccer available across all your devices. Visit Paramount Plus dot com forward slash Italy and start streaming today. Remember, I said Italy, not Italia. I know that some of you want to say Italia, but no, you got to say Italy. All right. But make sure you check it out. Paramount Plus. All right. Let's keep going here. Let's talk about some other teams that we want to discuss here. Dre Cordero. Who, who, where do you want to go? We can talk about Roma. Can Jose Mourinho build on that conference mm. league success, uh, you know, that he did last season? Of course, uh, we discussed about some of the incomings. Lazio, maybe Fiorentina, Atalanta. Where do you want to go? We could do a whole uh, hour, I think, on just just Roma, just Roma, and what they've done this season. Let's just just what you uh, Just to add to your little promo, by the way, uh, Paramount Plus. You can watch the Beavis and Butthead movie. You can watch Paw Patrol, and you can watch this the Italian Serie. Honestly, hey, what more? Uh, what more do you, you need? Say, how dare you not mention Keenan and Kel? By the way, <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Um, I'm, I'm so pumped for this season, man. And Roma is a big part of it. Roma being good again um, is good for Serie. A. Uh, Mourinho. Yeah. 
being, you know, at, at, at the top of, of European football. Um, An arrogant, cocky Mourinho oh, is good for yeah. the game. He just looks, he looks happy. Honestly, from the moment he arrived, he looks younger. He looks fresh. I don't know if it's the food, the, the fresh pasta uh, that he's having in the Italian capital. But, but Mourinho looked happy last season, and it, and it culminated in Roma's first trophy in 14 years. You know, it, it, again, it is just a conference league, but it's something to build on for year two. And, and in year two, I think fans can rightfully expect silverware. Um, Mourinho's got talent uh, on this team now. Paolo Dybala, you saw the, the reception that yeah. Dybala got in the Italian ridiculous. capital. You saw Absolutely the reception ridiculous. that Wijnaldum got in the Italian capital. Like this, yeah. this is the most buzz this team has had since, you know, a, a less than 40-year-old Francesco Totti was out there wearing the number 10. So yeah. I think it, for a team that have been, and, and pardon this expression, but have been sort of lovable losers in, in much of their, their Serie A existence, uh, right, with one trophy back in 2001 in the Batistuta days. Um, they have a huge fan base. They have an incredible culture. They, they, they're, they got merch. Listen, they sell merch. But Roma are a team that world-renowned, right, despite not a lot of success compared to Milan, to uh, Inter, to Juventus. Well, now they've got a squad to compete with those. Mm. Um, I think they've got depth. I think their starting 11 is as good as anybody. Um, they're still, you know, their defense is more strength in numbers, I think. Uh, Mancini is decent. Smalling is okay. Uh, Roger Ibanez is fine. Um, so I, I think it's sort of greater than some of their parts. Um, they're more adventurous with, with Mourinho. People still have this perception of Jose Mourinho as being an ultra-defensive manager who's parking the bus. Um, that's not the case with Roma. They create a ton. They shoot a ton from distance. Tammy Abraham was absolutely on fire last year. Um, he's got service behind them. Uh, we'll, we'll see whether they keep uh, Zaniolo because there's been some interest in him. He, he's been good. He's, he's been healthy again. Um, but they've got these playmakers to play off of Tammy Abraham now, whether it's Zaniolo Paolo Dybala, obviously, chief among them. Lorenzo Pellegrini is one of the best Italian, you know, number 10s, trequartista, playmakers, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he can also play in central midfield. So if you wanted to go with, like, an all-out attacking lineup, you've got, you know, uh, Pellegrini in central mid with Wijnaldum, uh, Dybala, Zaniolo, and Tammy Abraham as your front three. It's an exciting team that also gets some attack from the wings with Spinazzola, who's healthy again. Spinazzola was injured at the Euros, missed yeah. virtually the entirety of last season. But before the injury... Spinazzola looked like the best player on the Italian national team. He yeah. was playing at that level. Um, I, I mentioned at the top, Zeki Shelik is a player who maybe fans aren't that accustomed to, but having covered Ligue on previously, loved watching him at, at Lille. He is more of a sort of more defensive-minded, I think, than what they have in Rick Karsdorp, but can still get forward and I think will challenge Karsdorp for a starting place. And so Roma, I believe, are the most improved team. Um, obviously have a manager with a ton of pedigree, have a go-to number nine, a go-to goal scorer in Tammy Abraham. All the ingredients are there, man. He just has to cook the right, you know, the right dish. Yeah, I I, I love this Roma team and just watching them play in the, the Conference League final, they, they got a game. They got the game from Feyenoord in the second half. But seeing Zaniolo scoring that game-winning goal, he's a player that, that's been talked about with having so much potential. And now because he delivered late last season, injury woes have been his undoing, though. So can he stay healthy and can he stay on the books? He's a player that I think Roma's said to him, if no one comes and buys you and puts in uh, an offer that we like, they're going to try and re-sign him to an extension at the, I think maybe September or early September or late September. So that could be a difference maker for them in how can they compete maybe Copa Italia. I, I see really that trophy is the next evolution of Jose Mourinho. Can you get a domestic cup to put to this Roma name and to his chapter here? I'm going to go to the other side of the capital though, Lazio. Hmm. This is a Lazio team that no one is talking about. Well, because they really haven't done that much in the transfer window. But this is a Lazio team that has some ballers. Milinkovic Savage, please, if you're watching the show, I know you're watching, so I'm going to talk directly to you and your agent. Come to United. 
please. Let's just get that out of here. All right, Ten Hag, I'm doing your job for you. Come. He to wants me. to develop his career, Michael. Oh, oh man, we'll, we'll, we'll pay you in whatever you want. That's all we say. Frankie, I don't think money's yeah, the no. issue anymore. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Actually, save yourself. Don't come. Yeah, don't exactly. come. Don't come. Stay. No, this is this is a player who just gets better and better, and, and really is endearing himself to the Lazio fan base and to Italian soccer. I watched him play at the U20 World Cup when he really announced himself with Serbia, and he's just gotten better and better. One of the key figures that will be in that Serbia midfield and that Serbia team in Qatar this winter, and a guy who's just found form again. Who who thought Pedro? Like, this guy could not stop scoring acrobatic goals, amazing goals. He just really under... Mauricio Sarri really just continues to display some of the form and, and some of the big moments. But Chiro Mobile, this is a this is a guy who's a proven goal scorer in Syria. When I look at Lazio, though, outside of Milinkovic Savic, their assist leading assist getter last season, also double digits in goals. Pedro, I think, had nine goals. Immobile, this guy, I mean, just almost twenty goals per season in the last five seasons. Felipe Anderson. That's a player that needs to hit even more. Last season, he had some big moments. Inconsistency is what's plagued the Brazilian talent. On his day, he's a world beater. It's why West Ham paid big bucks for him. It's also why he's back in Lazio and yeah, back in Rome. He suffered the needs... same issues at West Ham. Exactly yeah. the same inconsistencies that uh, he suffered. Dre, quickly on Lazio, yeah. but also just a note on Atalanta as well, because you mentioned some players that uh, left uh, the club as well. How how are both looking uh, as a look from the outside? And yeah, this has worked neatly. This like this little cluster of teams now because I, I think of Lazio, Fiorentina, and Atalanta as mm-hmm. those teams that are on the bubble, competing for those like last Europa League spots, uh, trying not to finish in the Conference League spot, trying not to finish outside of European picture altogether. Um, and I don't. There's questions about all of them. Lazio have an entirely new defense, to a new center back, to a new goalkeeper, and a new defensive midfielder. So that's some questions. Mauricio Sarri's system takes some time to to figure out and to. To play properly, um, it, you know, the burden of proof is on them because they want to have the ball and they want to be attack-minded. Um, questions there. Questions about Fiorentina, who have potentially four new starters um, on their team with uh, Vincenzo Italiano. Um, having some questions about their attack in the absence of Lahovic. Can Jovic be that guy? Um, Golini knew there, Mandragora into the midfield. Um, but Atalanta... I think Atalanta last year was the exception and not the rule, right? So we look at a team that under Gasperini had been transformed. Before yeah. Giampiero Gasperini arrived, the guy who Jose Mourinho said is the toughest manager he'd ever faced when um, Mourinho was at Inter, I believe, and Gasperini was at Genoa uh, because of his, his game planning, because of his, the versatility of his teams. Atalanta had been just legitimately fun, but also legitimately good for the entirety of Gasperini's spell there, from a team that had never made the Champions League to a team that was finishing perennially on the Serie A podium. Forget top you know, four, they were finishing top three in City with Gasperini. There won't be Champions League football for them this year because last year was a down year. And it's not as if they've made, you know, wholesale changes to the 11. By my count, I think only one new starter from the players they've picked up, and that's going to be Ederson, who probably slots into that trequartista role behind the likes of Milanovski and Zapata. We'll see if Luis Muriel sticks around. I'm I'm not sure if, I know that other teams have wanted him. Juventus have uh, been sniffing around of late. Um, But I I think the fact that they've managed to hold on to their starting 11, potentially improve it with the addition of Ederson, if I'm right, and last year was the exception and not the rule, then they should be back in contention for the top four. But other teams got them better, whereas they haven't necessarily done so. So how much, you know, how much do we bridge that gap between Atalanta were better than they showed last year, 
if they're back to their good self, are they good enough to keep up with Milan, who are better, Inter, who are better, um, Juve, who should be better? That only leaves one, Roma, who are better. There are not that many other places in the top four. If these teams all hit, Atalanta's on the outside looking in. Yeah, so maybe a good cup run as well might help, help Atalanta as well, the Atalanta fans, to see what they can do in this new season. All right, well, we're nearly finished there, but I wanted to just do a, a fun, quick thing on the promoted teams, everybody. I wanted one fun thing from uh, both these fine gentlemen to discuss. Uh, Monza, by the way, Berlusconi is back. The former prime minister of Italy is back with his club, Lecce, as well, and Cremonese. So, uh, Mike, where do you want to go? One fun thing about any of these. Uh, what, what, what can you tell our Gegolasso uh, faithful regarding these promoted teams? I'll, I'll start with uh, Lecce. Lecce won Serie B last season, and they were a team that were really – their offense and their attack are off the shoulders of two attackers. They had Massimo Coda, who scored 20-plus goals and really was their focal point striker who can can drop down as a false nine. He can – you know, his ability to arrive in the box and just the quality and execution in the final third. And also Gabriel Stefreza, Brazilian – you know, with Italian heritage, he's a tricky winger, can get wide, can be play inverted, can kind of use either foot. So those two players really, really intrigued to see how they impact or what their impact is on Serie A this season. And, you know, they were dominant at home. So could that be, could they get a couple points off of some of the bigger names in Serie A? One fun thing, and then you start with Berlusconi. I, I see what you did. That's a perfect little transition. I have to, <laughs> my how, could, how could you not, right? <laughs> Bunga back in, uh, in Serie A. Uh, also, it dawned on me that uh, Lecce and Cremonese sound like things that your barista puts into your espresso. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. And, and are probably just a little Cremonese. Easy, easy <laughs> on the Cremonese. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Only on Sundays. Yeah. Oh, boy. So Berlusconi uh, being back in Serie A should be wildly entertaining. I think one of the fun things about this league is that it does tend to be a bit of an ayahuasca trip when you see some of the <laughs> antics by the owners, some of the you know craziness, the personalities around this league. I think of the, the former um, Genoa president, Preziosi, had been banned from, from going to the stadium, so he put a cardboard cutout of himself in the president's <laughs> box. Uh, I remember uh, De Laurentiis uh, got into a fight with a journalist outside <laughs> of the Maradona Stadium. He smashed the journalist's camera, and he jumped onto a stranger's passing Vespa and spent <laughs> off with a random but we've got these like incredible personalities in city uh, and not none bigger uh more bombacious than uh, the former <laughs> prime minister and who by the way is the richest owner in city the richest ownership mm. right now currently in city it's not an inter it's not a juventus with the Agnelli family it's, it's berlusconi uh, and yeah. and monza promoted the city and it's one of the reasons that i think they're going to stay up of those three mm. teams they're by far the most likely to stay up if you look at the bookies odds on relegation cremonese leche or one and two to go back down. Then you get Salernitana, a tie between Empoli and Spezia, Sampdoria. We're already at seven teams before we get to Monza, uh, being the seventh most likely to be relegated based on the, the book at the start of the season. That's because not only do they have the funds to revamp the squad, they, they're going to bring in nine new starters from the team that played in City B last season, right? And, and two of those guys I really, really like, uh, Piscina and Sensi. These are ball-playing midfielders who want to have, want to create for others, who, who have done it on bigger teams in Serie A, will now be doing it for a promotion team. So they may not play like Typically, you typically see from a promotion team uh, that's going to be a little bit more reserved. They may actually go after the opposition. Caprari, I think, was a good addition uh, to their attack as well. Some questions in defense. Ranocchia wasn't the, the fastest player uh, ever and now is going to anchor that, that back line. So, you know, they, they're not going to, I don't think, compete for you know, top six or anything along those lines. But they should safely remain in Serie A 
because if it's not working out, they have the funds to then go into the January transfer window, reinforce where needed, and go and get those uh, those points. So I, I think Monza is a, is a good team to keep an eye on this year, not just because of Berlusconi, uh, but also Pessina, Sensi. They should be fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Just one note about Cremonese, by the way. The president is uh, Paolo Rossi, the yeah. 1982 mm. World Cup here. So that should be a fun little thing for them as well. This has been so great. Let's end it on a high, everybody, or on a low, depending on what teams these two pick. Uh, but we're going to do our quick predictions here. I mean, listen, you can change your mind throughout that, especially Dre Cordero. I mean, he's our play-by-play yeah. guy. I'm sure that you can, you know, educate us as the season goes along. So this is just our beginning, our sort of like our gut instinct predictions to see where we want to go. So let's begin, uh, Mike LaHood, uh, with the champion. Who's winning this whole thing? And you don't need to give me a big explanation in this, no. by the way, in the predictions. Just tell me who do you think, and then we move on. Who do you have? Uh, Inter Milan. Inter Milan Inter, is yeah. Inter yeah. Inter number one. Um, short shortest explanation. I know I don't give many on this show, um, but shortest <laughs> explanation. They 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 address the problem that they had late in the run in that they're they're two prong horse in attack now. They have a second goal scorer outside of one of the most prolific strikers in Syria from last season. So Romelu Lukaku is the answer. Inter yeah. Milan and Lukaku. Who do you have, Dre? Inter, uh, they're you know well coached. Uh, they're hungry. They they watched their rivals win last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, after Inter ended a ten year drought, Milan ended a ten year drought. They bring back Lukaku. They've got two guys up top who can challenge for Capo Canonieri, although they'll take goals from each other. Um, so Inter to me looked like on paper start match day one the strongest team. Yeah, why do you think I'm wearing this whole thing? I'm in agreement <laughs> with you, boys. So I realize, I, I realize, by the way, I've got to step up my shirt game because between <laughs> Michael and, and you uh, wearing the, the Ronaldo thing, like next, next, next time. Nah, my friend, you look good as always. Uh, all right, we have the champions. We have all predicted Inter Milan. Uh, all right, top four, though. After Inter mm. Milan, who are those other remaining three spots? Dre, let's begin with you. Who's your top four? Inter's number one. Yeah. What's two, three, and four? I'm afraid we're going to... Uh, be in agreement again, but uh, I'm going to go in Inter, Milan, Roma, and Juve, and I'm putting mm. it in that order. I see Roma leapfrogging uh, Juventus and Napoli and others uh, into the podium. Wow, Mike, I'm oh gosh, I'm I'm just Inter, yep, Roma, yep, Juve, yep, and Milan. Wow, I think Milan gets fourth. Just I, I, oof, lot, lot, lots to still be seen from this Milan team. There's a lot of love for Jose Mourinho, though. Um, <laughs> Put your money on Napoli, I think, right now. Is, is what yeah, you're saying. I, I love for Napoli. That's right. That's yeah. right. I, I'm in agreement, but I think mine switches a little bit. I do have Inter Milan, obviously, as we mentioned. I think that uh, I think Juventus is going to come, mm, and also yeah. depending on what the uh, incomings come before the end of the transfer window, that could be impactful. I have Roma third mm. and AC Milan. Fourth, I think we're all in agreement. Napoli's going to really suffer through all those yeah. exits as well. Let's talk about uh, this is an interesting one. We've talked about, of course, Immobile, Lukaku returning, of course, Dusan Vlahovic. What can he do in his first full season for Juventus? Uh, Victor Osman back to being healthy. Who do you have as your golden boot winner, Mike LaHood? Who do you have? Latoro Martinez. Oh, I wow. love I love this guy. I love this guy. I you, you see the quality he brings for Argentina, and he he's just He's, he's an assassin in the final third. And before it was, is he going to be a playmaker? This is his team. Lukaku's come along for the ride. Before it was Lukaku's team. Conte established that. But this is Martinez's team. And Romelu, come on, bud. We're going to have a fun season. That's what he's going to say. <laughs> All right. You have Lautaro Martinez, who, by the way, 
has Argentinian responsibility at the end of November as well. Drake, who's your golden boot winner? Yeah, I think Lautaro and Lukaku are going to score, you know, just bags of goals over the course of the season. But when it comes to who's going to win the Capo Canonieri, they're probably going to take some goals from each other and kind of level things out a little bit. Um, so I look at uh, Vlahovic uh, as mm. the guy who's most likely to challenge Immobile's crown because let's not be disrespectful to Chio Immobile. Yeah. He may not be performing for the Italian national team. Italians may not love him because of that, but he is one title after title when it comes to most goals in Serie A. Uh, and he's and still... there's no World Cup for Italy, Drake. Yeah, right. yeah. So he'll be yeah. able to rest as well. You're, you have to you have to remind the Italians. I'm I mean. sorry. <laughs> hey, I'm Peruvian, so I'm, I'm not trolling anybody. Uh, we're, we're, we're like this right I, now, so don't I, worry about that. I wasn't going to say it. I'm glad you did. Uh, <laughs> sad, sad to see Gareca not uh, resign, by the way. We'll do a it's different plot at some other time. Yeah, um, so please I mean, start making me cry. Yeah. Right. Come on. I, I think Vlahovic there with Di Maria providing the service, with Chiesa yeah. eventually coming back. Mm. Um, yeah. If they get Memphis, it's another playmaker and goal scorer. Um, if they get Paredes, it's another guy who can drive the ball forward for them. And so I do think Immobile is absolutely in the conversation, but Vlahovic with a real point to prove um, because he was not uh, what they expected in the second half of last year. He was absolutely lights out for Fiorentina first half of the year. They got better service. They were a team that played in the opposition's half more. I think Allegri's going to have to be more adventurous, more attack-minded. But if he is that, then Vlahovic uh, has a very good shot. Yeah, I'm in full agreement with this. I think Dusan Vlahovic has a chip on his shoulder. I think mm. he wants to come to this full season with Juventus, wanting to show that he is that goal scorer that everybody remembered him at Fiorentina. I think both your points regarding El Fideo, giving more assists, etc. And I think that, uh, you know, a, a full campaign, a full preseason under Allegri is going to help him. And I think the World Cup will have a lot to say about this. I think that, mm. you know, it's going to be some tired legs all over the place. And even I want to say Tammy Abraham, but I, I feel that, it might just not be enough. I think Dusan Blavich also gets the golden boot not for me. All right, here's a fun one because it's Serie yeah, It's Italy. It has to happen. Berlusconi's back as well. So, you know, we're going to have extra <laughs> madness. Who is the first manager mm. who's going to get fired, Trey Cordero? Who do you think? Uh, it's Cremonese's uh, Max Alvini. Massimiliano Alvini, who... It's a weird thing with Cremonese because they get promoted under Fabio Pecchia. And Pecchia dips... He's like, no Serie A for me, thank you. And he just takes off. Um, they couldn't reach an agreement. And that, to me, you know, signals a team that is the most likely to be relegated in Serie A. Managerial change, so it's the start of a new project. Previous manager wanted nothing to do with their Serie A uh, exploits. I don't know that their reinforcements have a ton of sort of top flight uh, quality. And so it's not, you know, really an indictment on Alvini. He's just in a very difficult situation where if they're looking like a very, like as they should, a likely relegation contender at around the midpoint of the season – he doesn't make it to Christmas. I'm going to go Monza. Giovanni Stoppa, when when you have the former prime minister of Italy, when you have a guy who he's back in Syria and you know he's going to want to stick it to his former club, AC Milan, and, and really stick it to everyone across the Italian peninsula, you know that there's going to be a bit of a circus. And when you start spending money, when there's desperate, say as teams coming up, experience things go wrong there's always a period where it gets a little tough and there's a bit of uncertainty and he starts taking more of a presence in transfer dealings and whatnot as a manager it becomes a headache and he's no stranger to pulling the trigger and saying mm, nah ciao 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 so <laughs> I th i'm gonna pick uh stopa for monza 
All right. Well, I, there was a little bit of a conversation in this preview amongst three of us regarding Fiorentina and how they might struggle. And I, I got to say, I'm not mm. completely convinced on how Vincenzo Italiano is going to do. He did some good things with Spezia, but I think this is a different type of responsibility with this historic club who has already lost a key star already last season. I, if they don't start well and things get going worse after that, I think he could be the first one to go. All right, let's go to the next one. By the way, the last one. Well, the relegation battle. What do you have? Who's getting relegated? And uh, we can be free with this. We can talk between you know <laughs> that that you know that seventeenth and eighteenth place. Mike Lowe, who do you have being relegated? I'm just keep it simple. Uh, all three teams that got promoted. <laughs> That's what it seems like in Serie A. So you're always a safe bet. So I'm just going to keep it simple with that. So you come up, you, you come go up, straight down. Hey, look, the, the, the Serie B, it's the elevator pitch. You come up in the elevator and it's, hey, there's champagne waiting for you. And everyone else in Syria, outside of Tarna, good for them. They were the Hollywooders last season, have knives behind their back ready to send you back down so i expect mike, all three to go right back down mike mike hangs out mike hangs out with way cooler people than i do I've never, I've never gotten champagne on the elevator on the way up no i've been asked to push the buttons I've, never um, I've got two of the newcomers uh, going back yeah. down uh, cremonese and uh, and lecce uh, just as the bookies do but then for me salernitana last season were such a good story because mm-hmm. they looked I, I think we would have said you know lock to go down at the mid at the start of the season at the midpoint of the season Salernitana were relegated and he pulled off the most incredible escape down the final stretch. Just genuinely impressive against tough competition and they stayed up. I don't see them doing that again. And so I'm going Cremonese Leche and Salernitana back to Serie B. I think I'm with you. Aside from that last one, I, again, just like I was talking about my worries for uh, Italiano, I don't know about Luca Gotti's journey here with Spezia. They could be yeah. one that finally uh, bites the dust here. But it is an intriguing battle in the relegation zone for Serie A this season, I believe. I think it's going to be about, you know, five teams that are really going to be fighting for it. But we all want Monza to stay, surely. We want, Bar- yeah. we want Berlusconi <laughs> just craziness. Just, just All these stories, Dre, that you kept telling through the preview, we need to keep them going because it's just too good. I love it so much. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for being part of this preview. Uh, please take a minute to leave a rating and review for your favorite part. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to your podcast. We're also available as video, as you'll know. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Visit YouTube, of course. This has been an absolute fantastic preview. I love it. Mike LaHood, thank you so much. Final thoughts, my friend. What do you have? Oh, I am just, I've been saying the last couple of weeks, I'm just excited to see the rest of European football. Syria, it is a league, and I'll keep it to this point, is a league that it's good to see it rejuvenated. I, this brings me back to the nostalgia of when I fell in love with the world's game and, and really on the European front. It wasn't just the Premier League having competition. It was really seeing Italian teams competing in Syria, but also in Europe. That's the next step for Syria and Calcio. So can't wait for the season. I love it. Drake Cordero is always a pleasure to have you, the absolute voice of Paramount Plus and CBS Sports when it comes, well, qualifiers as well, as we all know, but mm. Serie A, baby. <laughs> Final thoughts before we say goodbye. Yeah, that this was absolutely delightful, that we need to stay in touch during the course of the season, that there will be plenty of stories uh, to share about uh, owners, players, and teams. Listen, I, I've had the privilege in my career to cover everything from Major League Soccer to the Africa Cup of Nations to La Liga, Ligue 1. Serie A is just consistently entertaining. Uh, whatever you think uh, of the level, whatever your preconceived notions are of this de- defensive-minded league from the 1990s that had all these stars and whatnot, <laughs> it, it's evolved, baby. Things things change, th- things uh, fall apart and come back together. And right now, Serie A is as entertaining, as fun, and in terms of the goals, the personalities, the quality of the games, the, the the 
uh, fight for the uh, title, the fight for the ch uh, Champions League places. It is going to be the most fun you'll have this season in City. I promise it. And there's only one way to know that is to watch us. Absolutely. On Paramount Plus and CBS Sports, the more managers that jump on scooters and Vespers, <laughs> the better for the game. Drake Cordero, add Drake Cordero. Make sure you follow him on Twitter and, of course, uh, Paramount Plus and our CBS Sports coverage of Serie A, which begins this weekend. Make mm. sure that you tune in. Mike LaHood, at Mike LaHood. Make sure to follow him. My only final thought is I need a Peruvian back in Serie A. I love the days of Loco Vargas at Fiorentina. Let's get La Padula Navajit with Cagliari <laughs> to come back up. Let's do it, baby. But absolutely, completely correct. I fell in love with this league in the 90s, and that energy, that vibe is definitely back, and you can only watch it on CBS Sports and, of course, Paramount Plus. Michael Hood, Drake Cordero, LME. Have a fantastic rest of your week. Enjoy some calcio and see you next time. Till then.